Your patient's health and how you treat your patients is in the public eye, and it is now a political issue if it hasn't been for the last decade. Hello, and welcome to Primary Care Today on ReachMD. I'm your host, Dr. Brian McDonough, and today I have a very special guest and a good friend, Senator John Barrasso of Wyoming. Dr. Barrasso and I got to know each other years ago as both of us were young broadcasters. He'd been doing many medical reports in Wyoming and television educating the public. He's an orthopedic surgeon, and he used to share information with that audience in that form. Of course, now he is a United States senator. He's talking about a lot of issues, including our nation's health. So, Senator Barrasso, first of all, welcome to the program. It's great to talk to you. Well, it's great to be with you. I enjoyed, Brian, when you came to the office in D.C. to visit. And, you know, we go back a long time. I learned a lot of lessons from you. You you were one of these quick studies. We'd go and show each other tapes, and I'd be saying, boy, I've been doing this a long time. But, you know, Brian really does it right. And it's all about communicating with patients and giving them information in ways that they can understand, away from all of the medicalese and the fancy language and just putting things in uh, in layman's terms so that people can understand. And if communication is so much of importance of what we do with taking care of patients, but also in terms of trying to run for elective office and serve the people of my home state of Wyoming. And, you know, the thing that I always enjoyed with the television health reports and radio in Wyoming that I did was I always signed off with the phrase, here in Wyoming, I'm Dr. John Barrasso, helping you care for yourself. Because I think that's a role that we play as physicians, helping people care for themselves by giving them information, giving them access to that uh, information and the knowledge that can help them be better consumers of medical care as well as of medical information. So thanks for what you're doing in leadership in this, in this regard, Brian. Well, thank you, Senator. I really appreciate it. And of course, ReachMD didn't exist way back when we met. And it's a classic example now of how things change. There are new formats where you can actually hit targeted audience. In this case, the show Primary Care Today is focused with primary care physicians and physicians in general who listen. And I know a lot of people respect the fact that you came from your role as a physician and you have moved into politics and you've been serving the citizens of Wyoming and the United States for quite some time. Tell me about the good and the bad of it that you've seen over the years. Well, in terms of being an elected official, I mean, to me, the, there's nothing like visiting the troops and thanking them for what they do. I had a National Guard man in today from Wyoming is in the office in Washington, and I had spent Thanksgiving with him at al Air Force Base in the Persian Gulf a couple of years ago. I spend every Thanksgiving with the troops to go thank them because they're away from home, and it's not just the troops, it's also their family members who are away. And, you know, you, you run into some of these guys in the Wyoming National Guard, and this one guy said to me, Dr. Barrasso, good to see you again. You took care of my broken leg. And I'm looking at this guy who's about six foot six, and I just don't recognize him at all. And I said, I'm sorry, I apologize. I don't recognize you. I don't remember taking care of your broken leg. He said, I was eight years old at the time. So, <laughs> so it, does, it does show that, you know, life, life goes on, but it's been a real privilege to represent the people of Wyoming in the Senate, as well as to go and, and thank the troops. The people of Wyoming are so gracious and generous, and everybody's very opinionated, but also very polite. So, you know, if you make yourself available, which I do, it's always good to hear what's on people's minds. And there's an optimism in the Rocky Mountain West. Ronald Reagan came to Wyoming a long time ago when he was president, and he said the thing he loved about Wyoming and the Rocky Mountain West, he said, people here still believe the future is ours to shape. And there's a level of optimism that pervades the culture and the communities, and that's really a good, good part. 
Always you wish you had, you could make legislation better, you could help more people with legislation, and because you, you asked the bad of this, the bills are, tend to be so long and, and with so many different conflicting amendments within them that you read the whole thing and you say, you know, I love page 350 and I hate page 850. <laughs> but you, you don't have a chance to really take it apart the way you'd like to. And you ultimately have to make a judgment call of voting for something that has some things you don't like or voting against some things that has some things you do like. And that's always been a real challenge for me, knowing that you want to do the best you can. One of the things I have to ask about, because it's certainly right now, is in the forefront of everybody's mind. It's the whole idea of health care reform, repeal and replace, and what went down just a short time ago with the attempt to at least try and change Obamacare or do something different. Where do you see it now? And I know you don't have a crystal ball, but where do you see it going? Well, we absolutely need to do something to reform health care in this country. And to me, it's about the cost of care so people can get the care they need from a doctor they choose at lower cost. That's the reason I believe President Obama tried to do health care reform when he did. I think he came up with the wrong solution. And I think if and it was done on a party line vote. And I think if the Republicans do it on a party line vote, it won't be the right solution either. I think it's important that parties work together on this. We try to say what's going to be in the best interest of patients. You know, I had an old buddy of mine was in the other day, primary care physician, and he's traveled the world. And he said, you know, no matter where you are in the world, no matter what health system you look at, the need for services and the resources available are mismatched. And you say, how do you deal with that? And there are only a couple of little things that you can adjust. One is taxes, and some countries do it that way. Other is premiums, how much people are paying individually for their insurance. Another is co-pays, how much comes out of the patient's pocket. And then the fourth thing that he sees internationally is service limitations, which is rationing that occurs in some places. So I think the best thing we can do is try to actually lower the cost of care so we have more people receiving care. And I thought one of the problems of the current law is that you have a lot of people that may have an insurance card that they can't use many places because the networks have been narrowed and the co-pays are so high and the deductibles are so high that people feel it's priced out of their range to see a physician. So I think we just need to do a better job and we ought to do it in a bipartisan way. Do you see that happening? I'm just watching from a distance. I'm not part of the political process. But in a typical evening, I could go from CNN to Fox News Channel to MSNBC. And it just seems maybe it's television. Maybe it's trying to get ratings. But it just seems to me there's more and more squabbling and less communication. I heard stories where Tip O'Neill used to speak with Republican leaders. They'd get together, they'd fight on the floor, but then they'd have a drink at night. And the next day, they'd come back with a resolution. It doesn't seem much of that is going on anymore. And it's interesting because you mentioned Tip O'Neill, and I was thinking of a friend from Pennsylvania, your neck of the woods, Chris Matthews, who's on MSNBC and has written actually a book called Hardball and was a speechwriter, I believe, for Tip O'Neill years ago, who said the same thing that you did. But Chris Matthews, he came and spoke at a medical meeting that I was at one time. This is back when I was practicing medicine. He said, you know, when it comes to what they report on. He said, if people are getting along over here and getting along over there and getting along over here, but there's a big fight going on in this room, that's what people want to see. And that's what gets the coverage. So, you know, there are some things that get along in a bipartisan way. I'm, I'm chairman of the Environment and Public Works Committee. We passed a bill the other day, 18 to 3, out of committee. There was hardly a peep in the press about this, which 
we consider it a pretty major piece of legislation about nuclear power and the future generations of energy in the country. But what you do hear about are the things where we don't get along. And I'm in the old school that if you can't get it all, a half a loaf is better than none. Ronald Reagan said you're better if you get 80 percent than get nothing and go over the cliff with your flag flying. And I agree with him. So that's the way I try to work with things legislatively. You're listening to Primary Care today on ReachMD. I'm your host, Dr. Brian McDonough. Today, my guest is Senator John Barrasso from Wyoming. We're talking a little bit about health reform, the health care system, where it is right now. A question I have to ask, and it keeps coming up again and again, and I guess there are political reasons, but what about the whole concept of tort reform and trying to get costs down that way? What people wouldn't be quite so fearful of practicing medicine, ordering tests, maybe practicing defensively? Well, that's something that, as I saw when I was in the Wyoming State Senate, and I saw when I was president of our state medical society, and continue to see that I think it's, it would be important and a component of the health care law. And I actually proposed some of those things to President Obama before the health care law was passed at the roundtable discussion where I was on that panel discussion with President Obama at the White House. And, you know, the trial lawyers have weighed in on that and have been opposing it all the way through. And it's not the magic bullet that solves everything, but it does have an impact and it does lower the cost of care due to one is the physicians aren't paying such exorbitant rates for their own malpractice insurance. And two, they're not ordering as many, I believe, expensive tests as defensive medicine to protect themselves in case that there is a lawsuit. And, and I'd actually made some recommendations that have, were not adopted that said, look, for, even for physicians who say take a certain percentage of their practice as Medicaid, and we know that reimbursement to physicians for Medicaid is quite low, and for hospitals, as, and for other providers. So, well, you know, maybe we could provide some tort reform relief for those physicians who are doing you know, this good service of taking care of these patients, because we know patients on Medicaid have a harder time getting an appointment and getting to see a doctor. And at the time, President Obama wasn't interested in any of that. But I thought that would have been a, a right approach, kind of a cooperation and even a compromise on saying maybe we can't get everything we want, but maybe we could, you know, get half a loaf there. But we weren't able to obtain it at the time. But it's one of the things I continue to talk about, as does Tom Price, who's now the Secretary of Health and Human Service and is also an orthopedic surgeon. I was going to say now that you have yourself and you have Dr. Price, there are physicians in prominent positions. Do you see that as maybe they might listen more? Do they follow your guidance because you've kind of been there? You've done that. It's interesting because, as you mentioned a little before we got online, I was on CNN yesterday with Wolf Blitzer. I was on Fox News occasionally, and they, people always point out that I'm a physician and say exactly what you say. And you're right. In the Senate, we have a couple of other doctors. The House, there must be at least a dozen Doctors, So we have doctors that are more and more involved. You have more doctors running for office, which I think is a good thing and uh, at all levels, whether it's a state senate, state house, being involved in a, as a county commissioner. I think the more physicians get involved in their communities and in the politics and the decision making, I think the better it is for our patients and the better it is for our profession. So the question then comes down to did they listen? And I thought one of the great problems with President Obama's health care laws, he really wasn't that interested in what a lot of the practicing physicians who were trying to weigh in on this had seen from our own personal experience. And a number of the regulations were written in ways that made it tougher. The, the health care law itself, you know, is about 2,800 pages. But then there were over 10,000 pages of regulations. And even some of the parts of the law that I thought made sense when you read the hundreds of pages of legal guidance and regulations, you say, well, this isn't practical. It's not something that's going to work. 
in rural Wyoming. But that's what happens when government kind of comes up with a one-size-fits-all approach. It uh, doesn't work many places. It's interesting. I mentioned to my partner, I'm still here at the office, and I said, I'll be speaking with Senator Barrasso. And he said, if he can say anything, and I think this probably speaks to a lot of our listening audience, could he do something to cut down all my paperwork and all the charts and all the things that we, well, as he says, I spend more time entering what I feel is unnecessary data to fill requirements when I'd rather spend more time with my patients. It does seem there's a lot of that. Amen. And patients feel it too. They feel that they're getting shortchanged in the amount of time. And the other part that I think is very frustrating for patients is so often the, the physician is, instead of looking at the patient, is looking at the computer screen and the keyboard. I hear that all the time. You're right. And I make that case on the floor of the Senate, and I make that case to my colleagues. And until they're in the position where they're in the doctor's office and it happens to them, you know, it's just theoretical, but you and I know exactly the impact of it. So... You're 100% right. You know, even in hospice, I hear it from my colleagues who work at hospice, the nurses, the care providers. It's throughout the nurses who are spending more time with the computer screen than they are with the patients. And that's not our profession. That's not why we went into this. And with the amount of money that the government puts into this, they have a number of things and regulations written by a lot of people who don't really have the background to know the impact of how these regulations actually impact on the, the relationship between a physician and a patient. Anything I didn't bring up that you wanted me to talk about or you wished I had brought up? Well, no, I just think that the more of your listeners who get involved in the political process and in their communities, the better it is for our patients, the better it is for our profession. And it's an opportunity for us to continue to serve our patients in a different way instead of just a one-on-one, but to serve the community. And, you know, what you've done to try to help educate patients through your health reports and through what you're doing now to help educate physicians on the issues of the day, you know, I think it's critical. I think it's critical for us to be involved and continue our lifelong learning process and our lifelong trying to build our communication skills. You know, it's not necessarily what we say, it's what they hear. And we need to be able to say it in ways that help people hear it. To me, that's so much of what we need to do as physicians. And I think, as you said, with the computers and the time, that it's just harder to have that more lengthy conversation with the patient and patients feel shortchanged and we need to continue to fight for our patients and for the time that they need. And it's a changing time in medicine. What we want for ourselves is autonomy. What we want for our parents is to be, and my mom's 94, you know, one surrounded by pillows and protected. And as the, the country continues to age, we have additional new challenges as physicians taking care of them. You know, it's interesting, the year my mom was born, the life expectancy in the United States for women was 56, and now it's 81. So through all the advances in medicine and the good work, we've added 25 years to life expectancy in just my mom's lifetime. And when they then put Social Security into place, life expectancy was below 65. And you read the old stories when they put Medicare into place. It was for the widows because they figured all the guys were going to be dead by 65, and it was just for the last three years for the widows so they wouldn't die in poverty. And obviously, through the advances in medicine and hygiene and better care, we've now done this wonderful job that we haven't really been prepared to deal with, but that's the challenge of the future. I can't think of a better way to end the program and your perspective on things. Senator John Barrasso, I want to thank you for joining us. Thanks, Brian.
This is Dr. Brian McDonough. If you missed any of this discussion, please visit ReachMD.com slash Primary Care today. You can download the podcast. You can learn more about the series. Thank you for listening and being a part of the knowledge.